0: Very pleasant. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of JMU Sound Off. I am Jonathan McNamara, this time today on a couch little casual version of Sound Off with our producer, Chandler Fortune. We'll get to the rest of our team in just a second. Today, a huge day in the JMU athletics landscape uh, as we got women's basketball in the background, the Dukes with a 37 24 lead currently over South Alabama. We got men's basketball action later. So, lots going on in the JMU world, but we know one of the big stories of today was National Signing Day as the Dukes adding new members to the JMU football family. We're going to go through that today, uh, as well as talk to one of the newest members of Jamie football who will be joining this roster in the summer, Quincy Jenkins. But before that, as always, we want to thank our sponsors at Skyline Financial. Uh, always appreciate the efforts of Tim Nelson and the team there to allow these broadcasts to happen, as well as the Montpelier Collective. I uh, want to give a shout out to the collective this week. They did the coach for a day experience uh, with Mark Byington. Dukes get a win over ODU. So we, we, as we mentioned on Twitter, we got to sign our coach for a day to a contract extension because whatever they did seemed to work. So um, thank you to Coach Byington, the JMU men's basketball staff, and everyone at the collective for making that experience possible. As always, if you want to learn more about the Montpelier Collective and what they do to support student athletes at JMU, you can visit montpeliercollective.com. And before we get to our first guest, we also did want to give a shout out the JMU Athletics Department naming the members of the 2024 Hall of Fame class to JMU. Um, some amazing names. Meredith Feltz uh, from tennis will be joining the Hall of Fame. We have Betty Janes, who will also be coming in from women's basketball. Annie Lowry from soccer. We've got Julie Martinez from field hockey and lacrosse. And then the big name Greg Miller from baseball, for those in the past knowing his contributions to the baseball program. And then something I'm sure many of you are familiar with, the 2004 National Championship team and head coach Mickey Matthews will be enshrined as we go into the fall. A uh, 20th anniversary of the 2004 National Championship. The team that started it all will get their recognition. So a great moment for JMU Athletics and the entire family. So to congratulations to everyone named in the Hall of Fame of 2020. Or we'll be talking about this class as we go throughout the offseason, and obviously we'll be celebrating them as we go into the fall. So and obviously a great event every year when we recognize some of those pillar members of the JMU Athletics community for their contributions to the program. Uh, so congratulations again. And with that, we're going to bring in our co-host for tonight, Steve Brown, Michael Evangelista. Taylor, I think is at a swim meet tonight. Correct me if I'm wrong. So uh, wherever you are, Taylor, I'm sure you're listening. Um, Guys, big week again for JMU Athletics. Uh, your thoughts on the Hall of Fame class before we get to our first guest? Uh, some big names in that uh, that have made a, their mark on JMU Athletics over the years. Uh, and of course, obviously, uh, led by Mickey Matthews in the 2004 team. Steve, uh, your perspective on, on this class?
1: I'm very pleased that we're recognizing this team in the 20th anniversary of the championship um, it's the timing is correct. The timing's wonderful. And I'm really happy for every member of the team and, and really happy for, um, for coach Matthews as well. So, um, very pleased and very pleased that we're recording on a, uh, on a Wednesday night for national signing day. And it's a, it's a huge day. We've got two basketball games on at the same time and us talking. So if you got two devices, put something on your TV, watch something on your phone and listen to us. You can, you can watch us too if you want.
0: It's a night for multitasking. Michael, any any thoughts on that 2014? I know we've had a chance to to interview uh, some of the members of that team and, and hear some of their stories, as well as um, guys like Kurt Dudley and Mike Schickman, who played such an integral role in calling uh, that 2014 to, to see them get a chance to go in. And, and Mickey, one of the uh, kind of the, if there was a Mount Rushmore of JMU Athletics, you have to think Mickey Matthews is going to be on it. Uh, and you have to think his uh, Hall of Fame speech will will be must-see TV for sure for anybody uh, who gets to watch the stream or anybody who's in the audience.
2: Yeah. I was going to say, before going into that, happy Happy Wednesday. This is kind of cool. Like, maybe we should not, do Sunday. So, it's not our now. usual slot. Right? Like, kind of fresh, like freshen it up a little bit. This is nice. Um, no, super excited, man. Like, I think, like, you know, I came to JMU 2008 So, four years removed from that amazing championship run. And when people talk about like the pillars, the events that really brought what we see today, they think about that national title run. Um, Also, the last FCS champion um, to go on winning a national championship while not playing on the, like playing all the playoff games on the road, right? Like everyone.
1: Everyone. So, Road
2: Warriors for sure. So, really excited to see them get their recognition. And I'm sure that's going to be a roaring crowd once we have them on Bridgeforth.
0: Yeah, I just I can only imagine how many Mickey isms will be squeezed into one speech, not to mention all the activities will happen around. It will be definitely a fun weekend in Harrisonburg. But with that, we are going to transition to what we know a lot of people are coming on tonight's broadcast to talk about. And that is National Signing Day. So we're going to go through this broadcast. We're going to go through the names that were added uh, for JMU football. Also encourage everyone to check out uh, JMU Sports uh, social media feeds. They had a great conversation with Coach Chesney today where he addressed um, his thoughts on this recruiting class. But as always here on Sound um uh, one of our goals is to highlight the personalities and the faces uh, that make up this program. And we thought, what better way than to kick off a National Signing Day conversation than to bring on one of the recruits who will be joining the 2024 JMU football team. And he has a unique perspective because he actually played against JMU uh, during his time at Campbell. And that is Quincy Jenkins. Quincy, uh, I know you're still on campus. Campbell correct me if I'm wrong uh finishing your studies there but you'll be joining the Dukes as we head into the summer um first of all Quincy just introduce yourself to our audience uh and uh, then we'll get into some of uh what it was like uh during your recruitment process uh coming here to JMU
3: um Quincy Jenkins you know I'm a senior this will be my last year coming up uh transfer guy from Campbell and uh yeah working on a master's right now uh still on campus at Campbell
0: Awesome. So, Quincy, my, my first question for you, um, take us back to a couple of years ago when you had the opportunity to suit up against JMU um, as a member of the Campbell Camels. I was actually calling that game uh, as a part of the Campbell broadcast team. Uh, it was a homecoming game for JMU. And, and um, I will tell you from my perspective as a broadcaster on that game, um, was really impressed with, with your offensive unit uh, and, and how you guys performed on that day. But just take us back to to that game and, and what your perspective was as a visiting member uh, uh, coming into Harrisonburg and Bridgeforce Stadium. Uh, maybe your thoughts on JMU's program, uh, thoughts on the atmosphere. Um, just take us back to that afternoon in Harrisonburg.
3: Uh, it was a unique experience because um, that was my true freshman year. They were still FCS, so... Uh, it was definitely an FBS vibe that we got from their stadium and their fans, you know. Um, I think it was really cool uh, how they threw the streamers and stuff, so that uh, caught my eye, and I just uh, I just enjoyed playing there. It was a fun game. Quincy, following up on that, I know uh,
2: the, the results of that game may have not been what you wanted um, playing for Campbell at the time, but now that you get to play for JMU, tell us a little bit about I know you entered the portal, I believe in January, or maybe late December, like walk us through a little bit about your recruiting process, like maybe other programs that wanted your services, like what was it that drew you to JMU?
3: Um, Really what drew me was just how it felt like a family and it just felt like the right fit. Um, Early in the recruiting process, you know, I had a few offers, um, two FBS schools and a couple of the SCS, but JMU just seemed like the right fit once I went on my visit, so Um, That's why I committed so early to uh, go ahead and lock lock in a spot. I would say with this team and do something special.
2: That's awesome. I'm
3: I'm curious, like when you came on your
2: visit, you know, walk us through like uh, put us in your shoes. Like, what does a visit look like at JMU? I'm sure you flew in, went to the valley, got to look at the stadium, probably visit a lot of the academic facilities. Like, walk us through a little bit what that looks like.
3: Um, so, JMU is actually like my first official visit ever. So, it was a great experience. Um, so, I actually drove because it wasn't too far from Campbell. So, once I got there, I drove and they flew my mom in. And then, uh, Coach Zar met me in the lobby. Uh, I talked to him. And then, you know, I had a little bit of downtime. And then, they took us over to uh, have meeting with Coach Chesney. He spoke to all the parents and players. And then we uh, had a little photo shoot. And then Saturday, uh toured the campus and uh, the facilities. And that was pretty much today. We got to meet all the coaches on staff and uh, academic staff also. That's so, awesome. let's talk,
1: so let's talk a little bit about um, play, if we can. And let me ask you first what, what's your major? What are you doing now in your master's? What, do, what degree are you getting?
3: Uh, education, interdisciplinary studies, so the concentration of business.
1: And then what will you do? at jmu are you looking to do i guess the second masters i would imagine
3: um i'm probably going to start doing cybersecurity, um but we're still figuring all that out gotcha well,
1: let's talk a little of and i say the nerd stuff i like talking about the offensive line so you know you're classified as somebody that can play all three of those interior positions so at six foot four 320 and we're watching your film you're just pancaking the hell out of people Tell us a little bit how, you know, how you're able to do that, because somebody that big normally can't play center. And that that's a huge deal if you can play center. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, how you can play all three of those positions. Have you done that at Campbell? And just give us a little bit of insight into who you are, because we're watching your film. And I remember watching you play and I was extremely impressed and worried when I saw you in warm I'm like, good God almighty, if this guy can move and you can. I'm like, we're going to be in for a long day because <laughs> you don't let people – you you smack people, which is wonderful. I love watching how you play. So just give us a little bit of that on the guard, center guard type stuff.
3: Um, I didn't play guard until – I mean, I didn't play center until my freshman year. So, um Camboy moved me to center, and that's pretty much where I played for about two 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 and a half years. And then we needed a guard, so I went back to guard to what I originally played in high school. Uh, there's really no difference in left and right. It's just – Um, which footwork and hand placement, is that's the difference in left and right. But center is just a lot more thinking, and um, you kind of got to be in control of all five and let everybody know what to do. So um, that's really the main difference.
1: Can you give our folks a little bit of insight? Because I I know what you're talking about, but talk about what it means to make the line calls. And when you say control all five, the center and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the center controls who's blocking and which blocking scheme is going from all five of those spots. So just let people know kind of how complicated that is because some people just think you get up there and hike the ball. And that's not <laughs> that's the least of the worries when you're up on the center part. So tell them a little bit about how that works.
3: So uh, it's different in um, it's different in different offenses depending on who the coordinator is, but a lot of centers you have to make a mic call, which is the backer. You have to identify most dangerous backer which we would say and then um some some ocs make you call the front out and then that basically gets everybody on the same track everybody knows what to do and then um once you go from there it's basically the play call so it could be inside zone outside zone and that basically uh tells everybody what to do and gets everybody on one page
4: yeah i think i think that's one thing that um kind of gets overlooked kind of what steve was saying that it the intricate ideas and the different blocking schemes and um making sure everyone's on the same page and not just the line in general but also the center and the quarterback because i know a lot of times they'll the quarterback can check to different things as well um within that um quincy my question for you is you know in youth sports a lot of day a lot of times now you see um super uh hyper focus on Um, specializing in one sport but even within that one sport they will go I am a quarterback and only a quarterback I am a guard and only a guard I'm not an offensive lineman it's almost like a disrespect to be put on the offensive line in youth sports Um, talk a little bit about um, you know playing multiple positions in youth sports and how that can be valuable as you've grown up and um, gotten to where you are now
3: Um, So I think it just makes you more marketable. Like I said, I didn't start playing center until I got to college, but um, I did play a little bit of D-line in high school, and it just adds to um, what coaches can basically recruit you on. So if you play D-line or O-line, I mean, you should be playing both, honestly, in high school. So that'll get you more looks and uh, more opportunities.
0: So, Quincy, take us through what the next few months looks like for you. And I, obviously, you're going to be you know, on campus at Campbell, but um, you want to stay in football shape. So you're not going to be going through spring football with JMU. So, so how do you keep up um, You know, in terms of the, just the physical aspect of staying in shape, but also trying to acclimate yourself to the offense and, and making sure you're ready to go when you hit um, fall camp in, in August or whenever you come on campus, I assume probably early summer.
3: Right. So the um, strengthening addition staff is going to be sending me like their workout program just so I can do it on my own and kind of get used to what they do in the weight room. And um, yeah, so that's how I'm going to get ready from conditioning and strength standpoint. And then from football standpoint, um, I could take as many unofficials as I want. So I'll be going up for a couple of practices, um, sitting on some uh, meetings, and just be around the players and get to know the offense.
2: Awesome. I think one last question for you, Quincy. Once again, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Um, If you've looked at sort of the history of James Madison, particularly in the last decade, like offensive line play, being able to run the football, protect the quarterback has been a huge part of the DNA of our ability to win championships, be able to win down the road. Um, One of the holdovers or or one of the coaches that was retained by Coach Chesey was was Coach Robo, Um, and he's created and built some pretty – formidable offensive lines at James Madison going back to like our national championship exp- uh, appearance in 2019, all the way to our FBS run. Um, tell us a little bit of what, what makes you excited to play for a coach like that and, and how that fit in your overall recruitment
3: process. Um, I've heard all good things about Coach Robo. So that, that played a huge part in my decision. Um, I had a few people tell me about him, tell me what he's done in the past. So I figured that that would be, the best person for me to spend my last year with. So I'm very excited on what he can teach me and what he has to offer. You think, you know, after this year is done, trying out for the NFL,
2: like, is that in the cards for you in your future?
3: Of course. That's always the goal. Um, but winning, and then that'll come along the way. Awesome.
0: Well, Quincy, we're going to let you get back to to the rest of your night, but we just want to say on behalf of everybody at JMU Sound of one of the things we pride ourselves on this program is, is really telling the stories uh, of the people that make this program. Uh, we know you haven't suited up just yet for, for JMU and Purple and Gold, but just know uh, we really appreciate the sacrifices, the effort, the early morning workouts, everything that that goes into to allowing you to perform on Saturdays. Um, just know we appreciate it. Uh, and I can tell you from from whether it's Section 109 where, where Chandler and I sit or, or um, where Mike, Michael comes of rove around the stadium. You never know where he's going to be. And you'll see Steve in a, in a robe um, right behind the defensive line bench next year and the offensive line. He kind of goes up and down too. Uh, we'll be cheering you on loud and, and just really excited for what we think is going to be a really special year for this program uh, in the first year in the Bob Chesney era. So congratulations uh, and good luck as you go throughout the rest of your semester as you finish out. Uh, We can't wait to see when you get on campus.
3: Thank you. I appreciate y'all having me
0: awesome go Dukes talk to you soon Quincy Uh, and with that we're going to transition into the next segment of a recruiting special we thought one of the best ways that we could educate uh, not just ourselves but also the rest of the fan base uh, on what it's like to be sitting inside the war room of a college athletics program going through National Signing Day what better way than to bring on somebody who has not only coached at JMU uh, but has been part of a transition kind of similar to what Coach Chesney and his staff are are going through and that's Coach John Bowers John thanks for taking some of your time tonight uh, to talk I know you've had The opportunity to to kind of look through this class, and we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but just kind of high level, I I wanted to start off. There's a lot of terms, uh, that are thrown around on recruiting days like today. And one thing I heard uh, Coach Chesney talking about was actually just the, the process of putting together a recruiting board. Um, So I wanted you to start off with you went through a transition from Coach Withers to Coach Houston. So take take fans, maybe insight what that might have been like for for Coach Chesney and this new staff um, coming from different programs all across the country, kind of assembling in Harrisonburg um, and now having to deal with everything that the portal um, presents. And and I know Coach Chesney mentioned in his press conference. He not only was having to put together a recruiting board, but he was trying to recruit the current players that were on the roster um, before some of them made the decision to leave the program. Um, so, just take us inside what what you think that might have looked like, and then what that process really is like to to start to put together a board on on really a compressed time
5: schedule. Well, I, I think the the biggest thing at at this point is the portal has totally changed everything. I mean, it's free agency. It's uh, would we have 10, 10 players left and went to Indiana. So, you know, we got a chance to win the, you know, do well in the big 10 next year. So I think that, that has added a whole new thing, the money, uh, as far as the bidding and the, the things that the, you know, the, the young men that can receive that can, they, they can legally receive now. And, you know, that's a, you know, that's something that uh, that's a whole new, you know, whole new thing to coaches and, but I think when you look at the total thing and, and, and I had a chance to look at all the recruits uh, that just that just committed and, and the portal guys that, that came in. So I had a chance to look at all those guys today. And uh, I think the same thing. You've got to have a philosophy of what you want. Uh, I think what's nice, there's a couple coaches that were held over. Uh, from the previous staff, so they knew they knew the recruiting board and, or at least knew their position inside and out, but probably knew their side of the ball, uh, you know, very well too. So I think that, you know, that was invaluable. I think that was invaluable to us uh, when during that transition because you have uh, so many things, so many uh, attitudes and personalities that uh, you know when a coach leaves you know, their, their world is, is rock pretty good at that point. And just to settle things down and calm everyone down and then actually see that, Hey, you picked, you picked JMU because you thought it was a great campus, great atmosphere, unbelievable facility, um, tremendous uh, academic background. So, I mean, you picked it for that and to convince everybody that, Hey, we're going to, the head coach we hire is going to be unbelievable. He's going to he's going to be different, but he's going to have he's going to have been a winner, and he's going to have been uh, been able to come and, at this level and 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 keep building it and and doing it. So the excitement, you know, around a new coach coming in is is huge. And I you know I was I was lucky enough to to uh, to be a part of the transition and uh, was able. I think we lost. We ended up losing. I think one recruit. Uh, when everything was said and done, we lost an offensive lineman to Liberty University. I think that's the only, that's the only one that we lost. Now there wasn't a portal then. Uh, so the, you know, the young men couldn't transfer uh, that this the freely as they can, as they can now. So I think that's the, that's the thing, the money and the, the opportunity that there's two times a year that you can, you can switch schools and, uh, and, you know, follow a coach if you want, or, or, or get to, get to where you think the pastures are greener.
2: Yeah, for sure, coach. And um, I think John m- m- missed on a very small detail. Coach Bowers is also a national champion at JMU winning the Natty back in 2016. You were such an integral part of that. Um, tell us a little bit more about yeah. what goes on in the recruiting room, right? We talk about recruiting boards, mm-hmm. knowledge transfer between staffs, like, What does that look like? I'm sure it's a high stress situation. I'm sure coach Houston at the time was trying to put the pieces together. Like what do the conversations look like behind closed doors?
5: Right. I think, I think the thing you have to do is y'all have to be on the same page about what you, you know, what, what are you looking for? um, And what, what's important, you know, what's important to you Uh, character being, you know, number one. I mean, you don't, you don't want to bring people into your, into your football program that you can't trust. And that's probably the biggest and the hardest job for, for someone recruiting is to find out, I mean, is this person, am I going to be able to trust them when they're not on the football field, when they're, they're on campus, or are they going to treat people the right way? Or are they going to go to class? Uh, because JMU is not a place that you can't, you can't not fake it. I mean, you have to, you have to be there. You have to compete. You have to be in in, in the classroom and, to come in, to come in and find guys that want to do that, and and uh, because as as we know, there are several high schools that you probably don't have to work very hard to get uh, the grades that you need to qualify to go to different universities. But to really find mm-hmm. the young men that want to get an education, that want to that take pride in that, to take pride in that part, and then the other the other thing I just we go through is does the young man love football? That's the, you know, there's some guys that, that some guys just play and, and girls, too. They just play football. But do they actually love the grind? Do they love the weight room? Do they love the, the getting up in early in the morning, being on time, given uh, given giving effort at practice and to really uh, research that at each high school that you go to or junior college or transfer, which I think that's probably hard. That's probably harder now. Uh, with the portal because the portals is, is really reaction is fast. Now, I think, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, uh, young men are going in the portal and then they are uh, making decisions quickly. So I think a lot of legwork has already been done before they ever, before they enter the portal. I think they kind of know that they're going to have these opportunities at different, you know, at different places before, before their name ever comes up, you know, in that. So I think, uh, to be to check out those guys too. And I think you the one nice thing about the coaching profession is we we all know a lot of people and a lot of different staffs, and we all do want the game of football to be high character people in our game. So I think that's the trust the trust value from coach to coach is is usually pretty good as far as how how was this was this young man on time? Did he work hard in the weight room? Did he care about class? You know all those things that that takes in for someone to be successful. Uh, when you're coming out of the portal, you know they've already had a chance to they, they've already played some college football, so they they know they understand that grind. But have they have they actually done that grind, and and been you know been successful from that? And yeah, I think when you look at that, you do, do they love it? Uh, if can a young man express himself? Can he? sit down with a coach, go over film and, you know, be, then just be honest. It's, it's a, it's a give and take situation. The, you know, your best coaches are the ones that uh, get on a very, very high level with their athletes as far as what do they think, how, what do they feel about the, the drills that we're doing in practice? Is it get, do you feel like those things are getting you better? So if a young man, if a young man can, can really relate and really talk, to the to the coach and also to the teachers, and, mm-hmm. and have a personality and and give them the impression that you truly care about their subject as much as uh, they care about football. And I think that's that's one I think JMU has been great over the years of finding you know finding people that want to do both. And uh, I thought I thought Mike Houston. Uh, especially was uh, was that was one of his great qualities was to, you know, find find people that wanted wanted to play football, but also wanted to get an education. So,
2: yeah, I, I think we've, we've been awesome. Right. Like really, truly finding like the student athlete. Right. Um, but to your point, right. I think the portals like accelerated everything. I feel like right. once a player is in a portal, um, if you're there for two weeks, you might be there for three months. Right. Like I think it's really accelerating that process. Um, going back, I'm about to put us in a time machine here a little mm-hmm. bit. I think you were you played an integral part bringing in players like Jimmy Moreland, uh, Rashad Robinson, Dimitri mm-hmm. Holloway, like standouts in the lore of Jamie football history, right? Tell us a little bit about like the identification process for, for okay. some of those players that um, you know, JMU at the time, we were at the top of FCS, We were competing, I think, recruiting wise against right. all of G5, probably at the low p 5 level. Um, but obviously the 63 scholarship limits that they may have hit some, but I think we recruited at a super high level and had some very quality athletes. Right. How do you attract, identify, and then pursue those types of players?
5: Well, I I think the, uh, the biggest thing you got to take care of the state of Virginia, because it's a great football state and there's some great football, high school football coaches. So uh, we gave everybody on the staff, all 10 of us, everybody had a, a piece of Virginia. Okay. Uh, And we tried to place our coaches where they, they you know, where where they had been and where they had had success and where high school coaches knew them. Uh, That was something that was, you know, that, that, that was vital and to, to make ourselves known and seen and trusted and them knowing that when they send an athlete here, uh, they're going to be treated right. They're going to get a good education. They're going to have a chance to win a lot of football games, and the success breeds things, and so sometimes that breeds, uh, you know, coaches, you know, coaches leaving, getting, you know, getting better jobs, and and that's that's part of the game of college football. And uh, I don't think that was ever held against us, but at the same time, they got to feel comfortable that they're coming in the process if you look at the whole thing you have 10 coaches you have a head coach you have 10 coaches we tried to get uh, each coach to come up with his top 25 kids in his recruiting area and normally this is this is back in 2014 15 16 uh, we had around 150 to 200 high schools each uh, per coach uh, you know so it's well it's well over you know 12 1300 high schools that you're actively recruiting and, and really following up on each coach. So they've come up with their top 25. Uh, if you figure that up, that's about, that's about a board of about a 250 players. And I'm, I'm basically just talking high school. Uh, you know, back then we did take a number of trans. Now we took transfers. I think we had six or seven transfers start in the national championship game. That's a whole nother Thing too, and it's kind of like the it was kind of like the portal as far as the evaluation, the checking with the the coaches that recruited them, checking with the academic people uh, at the different universities that they transferred from. So I mean, it's a there's a lot of you know there's a lot of things you come and you get that 250 athletes, you and then you have to rank uh, as a, we did it as a staff. Our defensive staff would look at all the defensive players. The offensive staff would rank. Here's our our number one O-lineman. Here's our number one running back. Here's our number one quarterback, number one receiver. And as you guys know, O-line has the most numbers usually, uh, you know, 17, 18 that you you take, something like that. So uh, that board is going to be bigger uh, just because the sense of, you know, the sense of numbers and how fast the big guys go. Uh, You know, that's the quarterbacks and big guys go, go, go fast. And that, uh, to have, to make sure your board is big enough that you can withstand losing some of your top guys to other, you know, to other schools. So, uh, just try to whittle that down. And I think just constant, uh, staff meetings going through it and coaches that are recruiting young men being honest of what is our legitimate chance. There's no sense having somebody on the board in a high place that we don't have a chance at, and uh, I know you wanted me to talk about you know the stars and the three stars, four stars. Uh, as college coaches, we really could care less. I know at the end of the day, when they rank recruiting um, lists, they go off those stars, unless there's somebody that's really sharp that sits down and evaluates and ranks and looks at all the you know all the conference signees, but. Uh, you look at what you, what we feel is the best guy, most athletic guy, cares the most, and there's there's a lot that goes in. You know, there's a lot that goes into the, the that that whole process. The one thing that that my, that Mike allowed me to do was I I throughout my coaching career have always had seven tough questions that I would ask a high school coach when it got right down to the nitty gritty. And, and, the, and I'm just going to go through that and real quick. Does he love football? Can he express himself? Will he, re, will he react positively to hard coaching? Does he seek contact? Will he grind in the weight room? Leadership, if he's a captain, or if he's not a captain, why is he not a captain? And and the head coach is, or one of the assistants would have to tell you what. And then the last one, and really this is an Urban Meyer one, how much juice does the guy have? Is he, is he, that goes along with love and football, but the, the juice part, what's he going to bring? Is he going to be a vampire as far as the energy level, or is he going to provide energy? And the last thing, uh, th- those seven tough questions had to be answered. And we had, we actually, the coaches went in and interviewed the, the head coaches before we would ever move further. And then the next big one, and it's, it's sometimes overlooked is injuries. I mean, being thorough and documenting year when an injury occurred, particularly concussions, you know, if a young man's had a couple of concussions, how severe, and just to be sure that you've got a young man that's going to have a, a career where he's got a great chance of, of getting through a four to five year uh, college career, because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of student athletes that get the get to college, and they've had something a shoulder pops out, or or whatever, or, or something that's just not quite right. But to really research, talk to doctors, talk to the uh, trainers at the high school, and really dig in and find out how how healthy you know how healthy is this guy? Is he someone that misses practice a lot? Uh, you know, that's all the things that all the things that go into the decision process. And the last thing I'll say is, you've got to trust the recruiting coach. Uh, that way, and that, and I think Mike and Mike and especially and Everett too, they trusted our opinions, and and really the digging and and going through all those examples. So,
1: well, you, I mean, you were on the front line of really when JMU kind of turned the corner. The way I look at 2014 is kind of when we started our our ascension to FBS, right? Um, because the teams you guys had, the way I look at those teams those were G5 teams and starting in 2014 Um, because the way you guys recruited is you started recruiting those types of players. Those are the players that started to come to JMU. So in my view, we've been playing almost FBS football for nine years um, at the FCS level for, you know, six of those seven of those years. But you know, that's, that's a credit to you guys. Well, tell us, show us your national championship ring. I know you got it on. (laughs) Oh, did you freeze? I think you may have frozen on us. It looks like John froze on us. I don't know if he can still hear us. This is
0: live, live uh, production, so hopefully we can get him back. We'll we'll work on that in the background. But um, as you mentioned, Steve, his perspective on on a lot of these topics really, really interesting to see. Just just what goes into the types of questions you're going to ask a high school recruit, but also kind of those. Those things that, that are obvious to maybe to some of us, but, but probably take a lot of work and, and really make it complex and, and truly understanding what the injury history of as a player and, and what they do outside of football. So um, if we can't get Coach Bowers back, just really appreciate his perspective on this and and we'll transition and hopefully, like we said, we'll, we'll get him to call back in. But, but Michael, we know as we go to, to what was the next part of our agenda anyway, was to really look at this class, the the, the players who have signed um, both from the high school level as well as the portal level. And I know we're going to go offense first, then defense. So starting at the offense side of the football, um any themes coming through and what you're seeing? And when you look at this group, um, I know Coach Chesney really highlighted in his press conference that it was a little bit of a blended approach, really having to address the portal losses that JMU suffered with the transition with, with Kurt Signetti to Indiana, that was really a top priority first and foremost. And then starting to look down into the future, looking three years out uh, and being very aware of what JMU's graduation uh, was going to be like over the next two years. So so what are you seeing uh, initially as we start to go through some of the lists uh, of players who signed today?
2: Yeah, really good point there. You know, but Before I jump in, I mean, what a wealth of lo- knowledge from Coach Bowers. Yeah, right? just like, awesome. I mean, for for someone like us, right, that have been on Twitter, that have been tracking recruiting for over a decade, you're not truly in the room. And to hear some of those war stories and how they rank players is pretty awesome. Um, I, I think of three big takeaways from Coach real quick. He mentioned recruiting area expertise, recruiting the line of scrimmage, and having a volume of prospects to choose from, as well as like rankings don't matter. And I think those are three major themes with this class specifically. When we we had Coach Chesney finally get announced, we were all kind of worried like, oh man, this guy coaches the Northeast. Like, does he have like familiarity with the region? He has a national sort of brand, right? To get players in. I think that's what he was able to do. Holy Cross. And we see that speckled across all of the recruits that he was able to bring in from Mm -hmm. offense to defense. Um, From an offensive side, I mean, 16 signees. Um, Quincy Jenkins is enrolling a little bit later in the summer. But the three big themes I'm really thinking about is, got very explosive at running back i think last year we noticed a major area improvement was the run game particularly in like second first and second down situations i felt like we were playing behind the lines or playing behind the chains there a little bit um iode from north texas arguably probably the the best back out of the american last year he's got one year left explosive back from north texas very productive player um, but also gives us a bit of explosiveness, right? Getting from the line of scrimmage, I think he's like 5'7", I think weighs over 200 pounds, a bit of a bowling ball. Um, and seven then also yards, George said
1: Seven yards a carry.
2: Seven that's yards that's... a carry. Like, let's think about that, right? Like, And and I don't think North Texas had an explosive pass game either. So it's not like he had loose boxes to play against. Like, he was playing against eight or nine-man fronts. Um, and then also George Pettoway, right? Former top, I think, top 100 player out of high school, committed to UNC, four-star kid from the state of Virginia. Um, I think he played for two seasons. He redshirted last year. Tremendous potential. And when I see him breakaway speed, just overall athleticism, and we talk a lot about out-athlete leading our opponents, like George Padaway has it all. And I think he's got an opportunity here to really put it just together. Toss
4: in stay so behind, that. like, a
2: seasoned offensive line, like, like coming in with the transfers, etc. I think he's got an opportunity to be really great. Um, from an offensive line standpoint, I think of size and experience. Um, let me just walk through this a little bit. Pat McMurtry from Holy Cross. I think he was second team All-Patriot League, 6'6", 298, probably over 300 pounds now. Hunter McClain um, from Virginia Tech, I think he's 6'3", 312. Um, Quincy Jenkins, we were talking about him earlier, I think a five-year player, 6'3", 320. Um, we talk about interior size and experience. Uh, there's a huge difference when you bring in a freshman versus like a junior from a physical standpoint. So I think that really stands out. Uh, We brought in seven offensive linemen as a whole, I think three freshmen as well as four transfers. And last but not least, like from a quarterback and receiver standpoint, um, we talk a lot about Dylan Morris coming from Washington. Amazing get there. But I think about experience. Um, Cam Ross from UConn, he was the number one receiver there for a few years before he got banged up. He had his best game against us this past ball, which was really exciting. Uh, Dylan Williams, he's a freshman, but but he's got tremendous range and experience there. Um, plus, we've got a lot of younger guys, I think, will come up. So explosiveness at running back, size and experience in the offensive line, and then just experience overall, overall from a quarterback and receiver standpoint, I think really stand out on the offensive side of the ball. Hey, Coach, welcome back.
5: Yep. Thank you. Uh, can you hear me Okay.
1: We can hear you. Let's go we'll yeah, back right. in with you.
5: Well, I, I wanted to kind of go back to the 2016 season. If you remember correctly, I did leave for about a week. Yep. Went back to Seattle. Oh, I remember. Came, so this is me coming back.
1: There you so, go. You coming back <laughs> <Sorry>. from Seattle, <laughs> turning the car around halfway across the country and coming uh, back when. Well,
5: no, they flew me back. They actually flew uh. me back and they ship <laughs> And uh, Mr. Bourne was nice enough to ship my car back
1: so yeah absolutely so show show everybody that cha- national championship ring you've got on there you go there we go that's <laughs> i love it um so so people may not know what year did you play at jmu
5: uh played the uh 75 through 78
1: excellent so
5: yeah people know, and coach, I mean, I, coached there in 79 and 80
1: Also, oh, so you had to coach battle did you have mike battle you had to work with
5: yes uh, yes I, I was coaching quarterbacks but uh you know, back then, uh, you know he's you know played a little, played linebacker, played uh, tight end, so he uh, you know, he got a chance to get on both sides of the ball.
1: Yeah, he told that story when Coach McMillan asked him to play tight end, and right, <laughs> and told him he could play tight end with a scholarship or he could play linebacker without one, um, which I thought was kind not, of fun. not a
5: not a hard choice,
1: <laughs> not at all. Um, so just to talk a little bit more, if you would, because you had to deal with this with you and Coach Powell being left behind, um, which was great. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you were there because I think mm-hmm. you helped you helped make sure the culture stuck. And I guess that's what my question is kind of leaning toward culture with, you know, we, we've got Robo and Whitley that stayed and, and culture is the big thing now with the portal because right. You know, we've got so many people coming and going. The only thing you can really sell, I think, is that your culture will stay the same. So talk a little bit about how you guys were able to keep that culture going at JMU when Mike, when Houston and the the rest of those guys came in.
5: Yeah, well, I think, number one, we had a we had a a good, good group of guys that was that was really ready to to uh, come all get good, really get good at the same time. So I think and then Mike, Mike enhanced that. Uh, you know, by bringing in, you know, by bringing in a, a a really good class and keeping, you know, keeping that class intact. And then really, I, I thought Mike did a great job of accepting, you know, the guys that were here and not, uh, you know, realizing that the, the, the culture has been good, uh, but he enhanced it, uh, the toughness, the the, just the little things that it takes to be, you know, be a champion. He, he did a great, he did a great job. He did a great job with that as far as the, you know, getting guys to buy in and, and, uh, do the, you know, at least the the little, just the little, the little things. And, uh, you know, big John, the strength coach, he was unbelievable as far as his relationship with the, you know, with the players and, and how, you know, and how they worked and, and all that. And I think that, uh, that did a good and the academic, the academics were, were good. When we got here, when I, when I came back in 2000, you know, December, 2013, the academic plan was, was good. It was, you know, Mr. Bourne had put, put together a, uh, a great study hall plan, tutoring plan and all that, you know, all that's in place. And you kind of take that for granted, but it makes your job as a coach easier when, when all the groundwork's been laid. So, uh, and I think, uh, you know, this Mike, Mike is a no, nonsense you guys have been around him. He's no nonsense. And uh, you, you either love, you either love football and love to grind, but at the same time, he, it's the most realistic uh, coaches schedule that I've ever coached with in college. I mean, we, he knew he cared about our families. He cared about, you know, having the families around and being in, being in the offices and, And really made everything an atmosphere that uh, people were cherished and people people were respected that way. And I think I think he made everybody feel that way fast.
4: So So you talked a little bit about um, Coach Houston and his uh, philosophy and atmosphere as a coach. Um, I guess my question is kind of twofold: in what you have that unique. We talked earlier that unique dynamic of you were in a transition you stayed on after um, Coach Withers and was with Coach Houston. Talk a little bit about like what the difference is in what those two coaches looked for in a player, if that was true, and how you recruited. Um, and then also you've looked at this recruiting class from Chesney. You said you looked at that today. Right. Um, any type of theme in what he may be looking for um, in the type of recruit?
5: Well, I just off the top, just watching all those guys today. the The offensive line signees are tough, tough dudes. That's the one thing that sticks out in my mind. They, they will all hit you. They're physical. Uh, they're strong hand guys. Uh, they're gonna, they're gonna really be a difference. And the other thing, I think the two quarterbacks, you know, the two quarterbacks coming in. I mean, those those guys look dynamic. And, uh, you know, the young man from Florida, um, you know, Miami Central, and that, that you know, that program, I don't know if you guys know much about that, but that, that is a hard program to be the starting quarterback. I mean, there's probably five or six guys that he's already, he's already beaten out to get, you know, to get to that, to get to that point. So uh, I think O-line uh, has looks extremely strong. That was the most impressive group that I, that I saw sign wise. And the two, quarter, the two quarterbacks, the running backs uh, that, you know, the transfer, you know, the transfer guys, they look, you know, they look excellent, too. Um, so, you know, if you look at the the what the what what makes Mike Houston a good football coach. It's his his ability to get you to do things in a fast paced way that you would not normally you may not do on your own. And to get you to to really coach and to play at a at a tremendous level. But at the same time, he, he does never he never makes you feel like it uh, he never made you feel like they didn't care about you. And I and uh, I think I think everybody on our football team and you know staff would you know, would say that and, and I think he accepted he accepted the work had been done, but he realized that there was something missing and the big thing missing was really the de- defense. That was the that's the area that we were not very good in. Uh, you know, coming through the, you know, 2015 season. So he, uh, you know, Coach Trot came in and set a whole new way to do things and how he coached it and how we, you know, how we approached it. So that was, that was, that was a tremendous uh, factor.
0: So Coach Powers, the, the, I have two questions for you. The yeah. first is, as I'm always wondering, as a fan, and you know, now with Twitter, you're you're following guys posting their their graphic, and it said this is my final three, and I'll be I'll be making right. an announcement at 10 a.m. in the cafeteria at Monican High School or whatever. Um, any any stories just from you, you know? Take let's assume you were back on this staff, and it was last night at 11:59, and you're probably going back and forth texting people. Um, any maybe heartbreak moments where you thought you had a kid and then signing day turns and man, he signed somewhere else or, or the other end of the spectrum where, you know, maybe you didn't think you had a guy uh, mm-hmm. and then turns out he, he winds up sending in that, that email or that fax. Um, just take us inside what that room's like maybe in the last 12 hours uh, of, of the recruiting process. Cause I can imagine it's pretty crazy.
5: Right. Well, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, you know exactly when the young men are going to be signing. So that you, you, you have, that's on the board, you know, Johnny Smith is signing to, 9 30 in, in the cafeteria at school and and you've got you know you've got all that done I think 7 a.m is where most of the kids you know most of the kids sign we tried to, we would try to get most of the kids to go ahead and sign at you know at seven and then fax that in and then when they do their other signing it's you know it's a piece of paper it's not it may not be the scholarship but have you'll know, have all that done and now it doesn't always happen you know some kids do want to you know do want to have the the actual signing. You know, right then, and we you you respect that you you don't want to you know take away from their moment of you know their 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 chance to be in the sun and and their moment of glory, and that's uh, just be aware of that. But I think uh, I think when someone's late signing, uh, there's there's always a head coach that's uh, wanting to know what what's going on. Get him on the phone. Why has why haven't we got that fat? You know, why haven't we got that fax and. Uh, And all that, but we really didn't have any any um, uh, stories. Uh, What because what Mike did? Mike went out and saw. I think we, I I believe we had twenty three commitments. I think is what we, twenty three or twenty four. You know, Mike went his first week here. He went to see all those. He got into all those homes and got to see all those. You know, all those young men just to solidify everything so that was you know that was great on his part to you know to do that. We had a little bit of snow we had to deal with at times, but we you know we got you know we made through it and and you know him and him and I and different coaches spent you know we spent really the first week you know the first week that he was here you know getting you know getting out and seeing you know getting getting to see the families and get them get them to get to know him and he's great. Great in a home, great in front of parents. I mean, you want your son or you want your son to be around a a man like that. And I think uh, just looking at Coach Chesney, that looks like the same thing coming in.
0: Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. We had the opportunity to, to talk to one of the uh, transfer linebackers from Holy Cross, uh, Dobbs, and right. he really emphasized just how you know the person side first It's always is about you as a person, you as an individual, and, and the human side of sports with Coach Chesney, and, and um, I think that's something that's going to sell uh, very well for JMU, and it's going to serve him well, and it has in the past, and I think it's going to only carry over here. Uh, my last question, because I think it's interesting now because we're transitioning from recruiting to the next phase of the calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, Every staff probably manages this time a little bit different, but what happens now between the start of signing day uh, and as you work yourself into spring ball? I know, obviously, the strength and conditioning staff plays a major role in this, but but something that Coach Chesty mentioned in his press conferences is, you know, a, a lot of his view of this team is is kind of hypothetical. It's all about the past. It's seeing what mm-hmm. um, guys have done on tape and the recruiting films, because a lot of the the people who contributed to this roster um last year are no longer here. So he's going to have to be very adaptive, right, game planning and things. And, and he was very candid in saying what he thinks he may have may look very different. Um, at the end of spring ball, and he, he was very direct in saying, we may have some guys that we think can play, and we, we find that we can't. We may have to go out and go replace them. Um, so, to, so talk about this this period of time, because it's probably when, first of all, this staff is, is going to spend some time together, actually, because it sounds like they haven't had a chance uh, to do much of that because of how much they've been on the road. But pick right. us behind the curtain of, of what you think likely is happening in that building over the next couple of weeks.
5: Well, the, the nice thing is they've got the, I believe, all three coordinators have been with the head coach, right? They, so that, that's, that plan, you know, that plan is pretty set and really looking at what they did last year, what worked, what didn't work, what, what do they have? And then the morning workouts, you know, the morning workouts will start here, you know, real soon where the, you know, the staff actually can work, you know, work with their guys Uh, there. I don't think there can be footballs still in that, in that situation, but, you know, you, you know, over bags, running ropes. And then you'd have some, you get some individual time with your, with your position group, you know, in, in the, uh, in the morning, in the morning workouts. Now they were in the morning, we did ours in the morning. Maybe they have, you know, time scheduled in the afternoon to, they could do it in the afternoon. We liked the morning just because it was harder. And it was, it would, it would, it would find out who really does love, who loves, who loves doing it at, at at six, at 6 AM, as opposed to three in the afternoon. And, uh, and that'll be the time, and I think just to uh, to get to where your team is trusting in each other. And as I look at the portal and, the, and the, the friends of mine that I talk to that are coaching at other places, the portal has taken away from the team aspect of football. It's really what can I get, how much can I get, uh, is the backup left guard making more than the starter is making? And you know, because the kids, you know, the, the the young men talk. I mean, they know they know how much. And I realize JM, JMU's on the the just the beginnings of the getting the the NLI and getting all that uh, getting all that s- situated. But to, to really to get your team to come together now, I think is so much harder. Uh, than it was back, you know, seven, eight years ago or or yeah, two exactly. or three years ago. So
0: all, all the more reason a kind of a people purse coach, you know, people first right. coach probably has an advantage in that um, because the ability to to really develop those personal relationships. And I think one thing that I really liked in Coach Jesse's remarks today is he said that was a big part of his strategy in bringing some of these players from Holy Cross. And he said the, the benefit is not only what they bring to the field, uh, but their ability to validate what he's saying when he's not in the room so that when he's no longer right. in the room and in uh you know a, maybe a player in their position group could say well coach chessy said this this and this and th- is that true and he'd be like yeah that's actually how we did it at the holy cross so i thought that was um right. really a, a, a key piece to this puzzle is bringing some guys along to to help navigate and again build that culture quickly so coach powers we just want to say uh thank you for your contributions i I, I always make the the mark of a good guest in a podcast is did I learn something? Uh, and I can tell you, I learned a lot tonight, and I guarantee a lot of people in our audience did. Uh, and I, your insight is something that we're going to turn to, I think, as we go through uh, not only the remainder of, of of this calendar year, but as we go into the fall, because th- there's no substitute for, for knowledge of, of what you're seeing from a coach's perspective and just know uh, it's greatly appreciated. And, and thank you for your contributions to the program. Um, I can tell you that 2016 season was, was, quite fun for all of us and and maybe this memories that we're never going to forget. And, and that's because of you and your colleagues who who sacrificed so much. So, um, thanks for popping on a second time tonight and, uh, we appreciate it and, and go Dukes and we look forward to future conversations.
5: All right. We all, I appreciate all you guys do. And, uh, it's great to have so many people around that are bleeding purple. Awesome.
0: Thanks coach. Talk That's to you it. soon. Right. That will bring back Michael to look at the defensive side, guys. Man, what a uh, what a treasure trove of information and knowledge. And he and he says it with a smile, you could tell that the uh, the passion's still there. You you know, he clearly wants to get on the sideline again. Sometimes coach, maybe coach us in the podcast game or something like that. Because he's he's yeah, clearly it, had... yeah, we
2: can have him all more often. Maybe he, I, I
0: want He doesn't know. He may still be listening, but he may have a contract offer coming from us. Uh, to be a regular contributor with what he brings to it. So, uh, Michael, we talked a lot about the offense. Now, uh, transitioning to the defensive side. JMU's defense has really been... um, the, the kind of the cornerstone of this program, what has set JMU teams apart uh, from from their peers in the past, has been what we've been able to do, particularly on the defensive line. That's an area that uh, we obviously saw significant loss both to graduation and the transfer portal. Um, what are you seeing um, so far from the defensive line in terms of the players that we're bringing into this program?
2: Yeah, I think Coach Bauer is kind of going to hit it, on it earlier on the offensive side. Like the offensive line was very impressive. I think on the defensive side of the ball, the, the narrative remains the same. When you look at the offer list of, of players here, um, beating out play t- programs like Colorado, Charlotte, Indiana, Mississippi, Missouri, Troy, UConn, App State, like those are impressive programs that wanted these player services. Um, But when you look at the defensive line, I, I think Coach Chesney may have talked about it today. You can't replace four terrific players in the production that came from there, particularly from Jalen Green, right? Like that's a record Setting season. Oh, he's going to be doing on do, Sundays. Yeah, exactly. Right, like he's he's definitely going to play on Sundays. But what you do is you bring in older, experienced players that have done it before, that have that experience, that have been in a college program, and have that translate to the field. So when you look at the signees we have eight defensive linemen that came in. Uh, three of them from high school. Um, two of them, I think, signed today, and sahir West and Trayvon Adams. But then you bring in DJ Cotton, who was a walk-on at uh, West Virginia. Terry Lockett, who was a significant contributor at Syracuse. Eric O'Neill from Long Island University. I think he was the NEC Defensive Player of the Year. He led the league in sacks two years in a row. Young player, by the way. I think he's got two or three years left. And then a Lloyd Summerall, who I think is going to be the wild card of the bunch. Former five-star recruit from the University of Florida. Transferred to USF. He's got one year left. Six-five. I think he's up to 245, 250 right now at JMU. That's a player where it's like, we're going to need to see some uh, him flourish, right, at JMU, and he's got one year left to do it. But that's how you sort of rebuild that line of scrimmage. It's not trying to find two to three Jalen Greens, but finding folks that have done it before and have been there in a the college system. So I love that we've really focused on the line of scrimmage, right? When you look all the way back to 2014, 2015, actually, maybe not 2014 and 15, 2016, right, on the defensive side of the ball. That's where we've won. That's where we've dominated, um, and I think that narrative remains the same um, going forward for sure.
0: So yeah, then, I look at, yeah, I was going to ask you, Steve. I know you you yeah. focus a lot on the line. That that's where I know you watch when when you're in yep. Bridgeforth or on the road. Um, you you know, when we talk offline, you know, one of the areas you were looking to see is is how would we replace um, the contributions we we lost in the portal into graduation. What, what are you seeing, uh, and what's your perspective on how this unit is just going to reload going into twenty twenty four?
1: Well, for the fans out there, if you watch Summerall, he's a he's got DACA speed at six foot five, so that's that's the way you can compare him. DACA wasn't six foot five, and this guy's got a wingspan that's unbelievable. Um, so on the D line, I, I agree with Michael. We've got you know Terry Lockett as well. Um, reminds me a lot of Jalen Green. A um, little bit bigger, but reminds me a lot of Jalen. I mean, we're not at the end of the day, the way that we're putting the pieces together, it's like putting your chessboard together. It's interesting uh, to watch what he's doing and how he's putting these guys, these guys together. Same thing on the O-line. I don't know if we're ready to do the O-line, so I don't want to jump too far. Um, But on the D-line, I'll stay on D-line. The the D-line, we've got good guys back in the, you know, in that room. So there's guys in that room that are going to produce next year for us, that produce this year for us. Um, So with these guys coming in, um, you know, I'm never going to say we're going to have, you know, the, the line we had last year. I don't see much of a fall off though. I really don't. Um, so I think you'll be pleasantly surprised, JMU fans, um, watching these guys and the talent they have and, and who they are on the field. So I'm very happy with, with the way that we've reloaded.
0: So Michael, another key part of this defense is going to be the linebackers and secondary. Um, you know, losing a lot in the linebacker room again, but bringing in obviously Dobbs is somebody we've mentioned, um, any themes that you're seeing through those two groups, obviously one of the big storylines is being able to return D'Angelo Pons and Chauncey Logan to the secondary. So those are two players who keeping them on this roster uh, really is invaluable, but um, some graduations in the safety room is another area where we, you know, we're going to have to find new contributors to really bolster this defense. Um, What are you seeing in those two position areas?
2: Yeah, I think you hit on the head. I mean, Jacob Dobbs, like what more can we say? Right. I think he's, walk the walk he's talked to the talk he knows chesney's scheme he knows how he operates he knows what's expected um what better what better player to have at middle linebacker right and
0: on that really we should probably mention we met him uh during the basketball game on saturday and and i have no idea how impressive he's going to be on the field i have a feeling he's going to be but man is he a five-star individual and and i don't know if i've met personally anybody that loves JMU as much as he did. And he's been here for a couple of weeks. So he was pretty impressed with what he's seen um, so far from the campus and everything else that he's encountered uh, as a part of the program.
2: 100%. And, and, and you look at the type of folks that we recruit, right? Like I think a program like JMU recruits speed, oversize all day Um 5'11 to six foot one, 220 pounders sideline, to sideline line, linebackers um, in addition to Dobbs we brought on Ray Scott who came from Fresno state. He was initially a Trojan at USC similar mold. I think a little bit thicker. He's like, he's very explosive, bigger linebacker. But when you look at Anthony Walker from North Carolina, Manny Zagru from the seven, five, seven, and then Trayshawn Dye from New Jersey, who was sort of like our, I know we announced on the sound off a couple of weeks ago, but he was sort of the surprise signee of the day, 61 210 Once again, fast, athletic, twitchy sideline to sideline. Sounds like a lot of linebackers we've had in the past. Um, He fits the bill. So I think Chesney, right, like you want, I think they run a bit of that four-two-five, got that nickel back in there, just like past defenses. But you're looking at very athletic, quick linebackers that are fast at the ball. So really excited to see. Honestly, on defense, when you think about dudes, you've got guys that had offers from like Penn State, Virginia Tech, Arizona, all over the country. I'm really excited about that side of the ball. On the defensive back, and you mentioned that question earlier, When I was thinking about this last year, we had a lot of experience, I believe at safety Um, and not calling anyone out. I'm just speaking generally, but I felt like that was an area where we definitely was exposed a little bit from like an FBS, like speed size, athleticism length standpoint. I think we fill that gap with this class. And obviously a lot of them are freshmen, they're young, but when you look at guys like Tyler Brown, um, KJ Flow, TJ Hopper from, I think, Georgia- I think we're bringing in Terrence Spence from Holy Cross. I think mean, he's going to be enrolling later. I, I didn't see that signee there. Milt Ferguson from 757. I think of long, Dude. rangy, explosive dudes and guys that can make plays and attack the ball. They're young. Probably a lot of them haven't hit 170 pounds yet, but they're probably really fast, and they've got that dog mentality, which is what we really need in like. So I love that we've up-leveled the athleticism on the back end there.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's and I was gonna say, Steve, real quick, that's something Coach Signetti mentioned. Uh, no, sorry, gotta learn. Coach Chesty oh. um mentioned in his remarks today, I thought was interesting, is he 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 made a couple of points is that he really truly believes that we leveled up some positions uh it, through this class. And he I think it's interesting that he seems to be somebody who's very careful with what he said. Uh and for him to be able to say that in this, that, that he is confident that we have taken a step up in some areas, I think is something that all JMU fans should be excited. Um, but then second, that he also wanted to Make sure that fans understood that the class that you see now and the roster that you see now is still very, very much a fluid project in that there's still another portal window that's going to open up Um, that he has to be prepared and his staff has to be prepared to adapt to any additional losses that this roster may have. But also, he said, going the spring ball, he is going to still be evaluating this roster to see. You know, maybe we think we have a player at one position, turns out that we don't. And then the other side of it works too. Maybe he thinks that there's a gap in the space and then a new player emerges or somebody who's been on this team um in the past comes in and steps into those positions. So I, I think all fans of this program should be aware that. There likely will be additional movement um, as we go over the coming months and and into the summer when there's still portal movement opportunities both coming in and coming out. So, Steve, um, any thoughts that you had on anything Michael said? But but that point as well is that this staff is consistently and constantly looking for uh, additional talent to bring to Harrisburg.
1: Yeah, and I I like the whole culture piece that he's building to fit fit within the culture. He's... um, his coaches are are good. They'll be very good about, about working with who they have and making sure that the plays, you know, surround those guys. On Ray Scott, if the folks out there want to think about who that is, that's a bigger, stronger Stephon Robertson. Um, mm-hmm. that's that's the person you can look at if you want to look at it. When you look at his tape, that's who he is. And Stefan was unfreaking believable. Um, Dobbs, I, I agree with you. That's one of the most impressive. Um, young men I've, I've talked to in a long time and there's a lot of impressive guys that go through that locker room. Um, when we talked to him on Saturday, he acted like he's been at Jamie for five years. I mean, all he, all he was is effusive about how wonderful Harrisonburg is, how great JMU is and how he can't wait to play on Saturday. Um, from some, you know, from somebody that doesn't know us from Adam, but has already bought in hook, line and sinker uh, because of coach Chesney. So I'm very impressed with how sticky the coaching staff is with the players. Um, it's, it's unbelievable to me, you know, how much they want to play for him. And, you know, I haven't just haven't heard that in a long time. Not that there's anything wrong with who we had in the past. I just haven't heard a lot of effusiveness coming out of, out of players about, I just can't wait to play for this guy. So very excited about it. Love this love national signing day.
0: Well, also one player to I'm excited after getting a chance to talk to him on Saturday too is Kai Wright to see what he yeah. might be able to do in the in the tight end room. He's he's recovering from, yeah. from surgery right now, but he man, he's a big body, uh, but also just a great personality and, and somebody also brings another a tremendous amount of energy. Um before I get to my last points, Michael. One other area that I'm curious of your perspective on is, is one thing I could not be more excited about when it comes to this staff is their focus on special teams. Um, that's been an area of emphasis uh, for Coach Chesney his entire career, uh, as well as the, the, um, the guys that he's brought in. And if you look at their success uh, in past programs, they've really led their conferences as special teams. We do bring in a kicker from UConn uh, to fill uh, a really critical part of, of that space. Um, anything you're seeing potential in the special teams game, I, I would be intrigued um, by not only the new guys coming in, but do we get Solomon Horst back potentially for this season to contribute on special teams? Uh, but also, there's a lot of speed coming in in the running back room. You'd have to think that maybe one of those guys could potentially contribute in the special teams area of the game as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think you hit it on the head, right? you got the kicker from UConn. I think he's got two years left. He's been in high-pressure situations. Um, we brought in a long snapper from Lane College, um, who I believe Lane College was on that Netflix show. I forgot the name off the top of my head. Yep. Um, really highlighted yeah, he highlighted that. Yeah, he's a solid long snapper. Been there before, done that. Um, but when I think of, like, special teams, and, and this goes back to prior Jamie teams, look at the caliber of preferred walk-ons that Chesney has been able to to get attracted to the program right yeah and, and, and and
0: to, and to, to mention that right. to, to set you up for that he was very clear in saying that there are a number of key contributors coming in that space that he wasn't allowed to talk about so coach 100%. Justin is already 100 percent in line with you on that space
2: yeah yeah you think about the preferred walk-ons i also like play devil's advocate it's the portal area like how much are we red shirting nowadays like if we have folks True. that have speed, athleticism, tenacity that answer some of those questions that Coach Bowers was talking about earlier. Um, imagine seeing a guy like, you know, Trayshawn Day running down the field or like Dylan Williams or a or a Cam Ross. Well, actually not Cam Ross. They'll probably just play receiver, but like those type of athletes on kickoff, kickoff return, I think that up levels um, who we have on the field right off the bat. Last but not least, like going back on the defensive line, we were on paper already thin last year, I thought. Like we had some injuries up front. Yep. but we had some spectacular performances. We're bringing on five defensive linemen that have been there before. We're returning one, two, three, four, five, five other players that have had experience last year, some younger guys, but Amar Thomas, Tyreek Tucker, Emmanuel Bush, I played significant time. Add that in, what are we, eight, nine, ten deep at least, Yeah. assuming that people contribute. Um, we're, there's going to be some attrition, right, spring ball. I think we saw it last year too. Maybe some of the guys that we're super high on don't make it through spring ball and that's okay. Right. That's where we are as a program. Um, but I'm really excited about who we can rotate and um, filter through on the defensive line. Steve, I want to go to you. You mentioned the O-line earlier. I want to get your thoughts on that. I called them the slobber knockers of the group. Those are the guys. They're the heart and soul of the offense. Curious to hear like, what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far on tape?
1: I'm loving these guys. Yeah. Um... Watch Jenkins. I watched all their tape today, but watch Jenkins right before we had him on. Um, Beast of a guy. Um, But, you know, McMurtry, I mean, six foot eight, three hundred and twenty five pounds. I I can't remember when we've had a six eight guy on the line. But what I like about all these guys is they're mean and they're nasty and they Mm -hmm. will go well with the guys we have. But they are going to play hard, play through the whistle and after the whistle. You can keep hitting guys for all I care. I, you know, at the end of the day, you just keep mashing those coastal clowns into the carpet as much as you want to hit them, hit them. Um, And that's what's going to happen. I mean, Jesse Ramel from St. Francis, six foot five, 305. You know, Hunter McLean, six it. foot five, 305. I mean, my God, uh, Jacoby Campbell, you know, the six foot four, 300. You know, it's you're going to see us line up in so many multiple formations with 11 personnel, 12, 13 we're going to run 21 personnel. You know, if you don't know what all that stuff is, we won't go into it tonight, but I nerd out on that stuff because I bet you you will see so many multiple – will be so multiple because these guys are so athletic that we are we're gonna run the ball. Um, we're not gonna give up on running the ball because that's not how Chesney's teams do. We run it down your throat. And it's like the old Washington team back in the 80s. We're gonna run counter Trey, and you can't do a damn thing about it. And what's going to be with this Chesney team is we're going to beat you up. And that starts with the offensive dogs up front. And I'm getting excited, and I'm going to start cursing, so I won't do that at 9.15 at night. Yeah, you, you probably heard the,
2: the interview with Rigard and our, our O.C. Coach Kennedy, right? He, he talked a little bit about seeing what we've got and structuring the offense that way. Because you can look at old Holy Cross teams, and they ran the ball with Sluka. It was, it was the Rodney Landers offense. I don't see us doing that with Dylan Morris. Oh, God, no. But, can we see that doing it maybe th- three, four years down the road with a guy like JC Evans, six five, runs yeah. a legit four or five thick guy, big arm from Miami? Maybe. But when I think of this team, I think like you, right? Like build it from the inside out, get the ball out to athletes in space. I think that's what Kennedy's gonna do. And and who's, let's see who comes out, right? Is it Atkins? Is it Morris? It's gonna be Barnett, but those guys are gonna have options on who to throw to. Yep.
0: Well, my, real quick on that before we get channel, I know he has a question on that point, though. One of the things he mentioned his presser as well is that. He's really excited for the competition in the quarterback room.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that obviously is is could be potentially some coach speak. And but, you know, because I want to push Dylan Morris. But there is some talent in that room. Alonzo Barnett, remember, won the starting job outside of uh, of training camp last year. And was a lot of people in that in that locker room were so high on his contra- contributions to the program, what he could bring. Alonzo gets a fresh start now with a new staff. Same for Billy and and, and the other quarterbacks in that room get a fresh look with a new coaching staff. I, I agree that there are a lot of potential for maybe some packages or things we can see that that highlight back to their their Holy Cross days because you're going to use the players that you have in those rooms, as you said, and give them an opportunity to contribute to this offense. And I, I think we haven't seen the last uh, of some of those names that are in that group and what they're going to be able to do next year. Chandler, I know you had something you wanted to add, though.
4: We well, had yeah, just real quick to add, one point to the offensive line that Steve was talking about. I think also Steve, I think a word that comes to mind is versatile. Like yeah. this is a very, the. it is clear that they're going after guys that are willing and open to going wherever they need. Um, They need, they need to and, and different styles, whether it's running a gap scheme or more of a uh, zone, which is what I know a lot of, Um, areas are going to more of those different schemes. So I think Swiss army knife type guys that are open to doing a lot of different things, I think is a clear, um, focus that I've seen from Chesney. hundred percent. And that's, that's Robo.
1: If you, if you've heard Robo talk Mm -hmm. about it before, um, even under our prior coach, um, they used to talk all the time about how everybody in the line can play every position. Um, These guys that they're bringing in are already proven at those at those spots. They can play multiple spots on the line already. They don't have to be taught it, and um, that's gonna that's gonna inure to our benefit, unbelievably. So you know, I love watching the fact that you can slot one of these guys in. It's what helped us last year with the injuries we had when Kidwell went down and Tyshawn White went down. You didn't see bunch of you didn't see a ton of, of of production that went down. Uh, we still had trouble on the run blocking side of things, but we had trouble when Kidwell and Tyshawn White were in. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, I, I can't say it's because they were out. But um, you're going to see, I think a, a, I I think you're going to see a level up on the offensive line um, this year, and it's going to be great with Robo coaching them, with Chesney and his crew, with the overlay they're putting on it. Um, you'll see a different swagger on that line, and different blowing holes open on that line
2: one last point on the old line yeah. and then we'll move on from here um you know i think we we always think of okay he came from the patriot league offensive linemen are different his offensive line last year obviously one of them is now at jmu one is a senior bowl standout probably gonna get drafted and he's got two others playing on p5 programs that are probably gonna be starters and bookends at garden tackle so like going from the patriot league and i know our our history isn't great against patriot league programs to be honest but that's really impressive and shows like his eye of talent. And maybe it's not just all the, the the physical, right? It's about the mental and being able to really have that mentality to beat the guy in front of you.
0: Awesome. Well, guys, it's been a great discussion. I know there's a lot more we could touch on, but uh, really exciting to be able to have new names uh, going into this roster and names that we're going to be all familiar with for years to come. Um, Go around one more time. Any final thoughts, Michael uh, on this class or anything else related to where we kind of stand as a program. Uh, And then we'll get to you, Steve
2: it's obviously the best recruiting class ever, right? Like every year we just love the
0: ratings. There's, there were some numbers out there that that kind of highlight that that is the case. So um, I think all of us were excited though, to see that we're in the bottom third half of the national ranking. Cause that just, Oh, I I love it, man. I
2: think like I I tweeted out earlier, I mean, it's, it's our third year in FBS we're we're ranked last again, or, or really down there in terms of the rankings. I think Southern Miss has had the last like two or three, top rankings in the conference i just love it yeah, because just like just charlotte, charlotte
0: keeps always having the number one transfer portal class too and, and doesn't yeah seem to charlotte's the, the
2: poster boy of the american right but it just shows you like rankings are rankings for a reason but i think the 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 formula here is you look at players that are coveted by similar programs in the conference similar programs that have the similar pedigree those players seem to always pan out for us um and it's not perfect but when you look at a guy like Evan Bouchon, uh, a Dylan Williams, a Trayshawn Dye that I've been harping on a little bit, a Chase Regan, a KJ Flow, those guys are Sunbelt AAC um, players that, you know, many programs wanted to see them. I think that's where you gauge quality versus the the guy that gets one or two SEC offers and suddenly is a four-star kid, right? Like, we've seen a lot of those go guys go in and out of the program. So I'm really excited. I was obviously speaking facetiously around it being the best class ever, but certainly probably is really excited to see where like, I think almost 40 players are coming into the program. Um I'll be there for spring ball on April 20th. I'm sure many of the listeners. Will all be will be. Too. Yeah. I'm pumped to see them on the teaser.
0: There might be a live show that day.
1: Yeah. Stay tuned. Should be, Could, be should be a live show that day. And, and the hope is, is that we pack that out. I, I think, um, the hope is that JMU is going to push that hard uh, to get a bunch of people in the stands. Well, we've I think seen the coaches, of some
0: of the coaches, already pushing it. They they want an the attendance record, so we're certainly going to do our part to to try to push that as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think we can. I think we can do it. the The thing that excites me about this is why I love recruiting day. Is um, I know what the other teams in the Sun Belt are thinking. It's like God. I was hoping they'd have a down year. You're not having a down year, jackasses. We're coming. We're coming again. This is year three. We will win the East for a third time, and we will host the championship in Bridgeforth Stadium, and that is on February 7th at 918. So get ready, and Coastal can't wait to smack the hell out of you in November or whenever we're going to play you. God, I'm not even sure they put you on the schedule anymore because it's so <laughs> bad to watch.
0: And, hey, some, some some folks with our friends at the Ferry and Smith podcast think that they're going to finish above us, but we'll, that's such a sore spot for another that's year. True, we, yeah, we go love Caden. Them. That's we, right, Caden.
1: You you did such a good job picking last year, Caden hey, Smith. Go ahead and keep picking.
0: Caden would never just stir the pot. So we we just hey before the comments we love come those in, guys. we love those guys. They're a really good friends. So um, Chandler, your final thoughts. you have any? No. You're hungry. I know that. So no, okay. All right. Well, we're heading to New York after this. So um my final thought is this. What I love about this class, and I and I and I think classes and as we start to see the formulation of now the 2024 2025 cycle of recruiting is remember this program is now coming off of an absolutely unprecedented run of national exposure the college game days the weekend and week out uh performances on linear program the platforms of espn but additionally going from flow sports to espn plus so the you know players in the high school universe around the country now it is so much more easy for them to tune into JMU football that probably directly connects to why coach Chesney uh, said he was so surprised um, by the recognition of JMU football the brand uh, in Georgia in Texas in Florida more eyeballs are on this program than ever before Uh, and once you get an insight into what JMU can do you tend to fall in love with it Uh, and as coach Byington and other coaches associated with JMU have said If you can get them on campus, uh, they tend to wind up signing with JMU. And I think the more exposure this program continues to get, uh, the better it's going to be for recruiting. And now we've got a whole spring sports schedule where I think some of our spring teams are going to surprise again. And that's going to bring even more eyeballs to James Madison University. And that's going to lead to good things all around and more um, athletes. And additionally, more students. We saw this week, I think it was 40,000 applicants to JMU uh, for the first time. And and that shows the front porch of the university uh, in action That's a big, big deal. Um, And then my last thing, my favorite part of Coach Chesney's remarks today was that um, he was asked by Kurt Dudley uh, during the question session if he wanted to go through the players, and he said, you know what, Um, I want to make sure that I'm not going to do that right now because I don't want to leave anybody out because every single person that signed today uh, is significant and we feel great about that. Just again, it's a small thing, but it shows um, that he is deliberate in his uh, want, his desire to make sure that everyone has an equal footing, uh, and his approach to making sure that this character, uh, of this program and, and the culture that he's building is built through every aspect of how we interact. So that was just a point that I wanted to mention. So, um, congratulations again, this is a big moment uh, for every one of these uh, individuals and their career. Um, I hope they cherish it. I hope they got a chance to celebrate with family tonight. And, And as we always say, we'll be rooting you guys on. So, um, Michael, Steve, thanks for spending Wednesday night with us. Um, we'll be back, uh, in our normal slot, we're going to take off this Sunday because we've heard there's a little bit of a game uh, that happens on Sunday. So enjoy the Super Bowl. and uh, We will be back uh, a week from Sunday with our Net Girl time slot. Jamie, you sound off Sunday at 8 p.m. And with that, enjoy the night. Jamie, men's basketball uh, at a big game right now against Arkansas State. So tune in if you're not already watching that. Uh, and go Dukes. Talk to you guys soon.